You're listening to DraftKings Network. a cold one. They strike him, huh? And listen to Ross Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft podcast presented as always by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Most of you know that. Pretty easy to Google who I played for. Those of you that check us out on YouTube can see the helmets and the game balls and stuff like that behind me. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Great way to check out the show. Watch it on YouTube or just to see the highlight clips of the show. You can do that or just follow along on social media. Either at Ross Tucker NFL or at Ross Tucker Pod, whatever platform you're on, we're on. Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, very valuable because I take notes as my guy Emery Hunt, the star of the show, is talking. And so that's how you get the two, three, four best nuggets from the show, in my opinion. He's already a YouTube star and has been for a while. It's the Football Game Plan channel on YouTube. Follow him on social media like I do, at F-Ball Game Plan. And then, man, I announced two winners last week on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, both of whom had gotten the draft guide. Footballgameplan.com slash 2024 draft guide. Let's do it again this week. You get the draft guide. You had a great chance to be one of our winners. I'll send you a signed press pass. Just go to footballgameplan.com slash 2024 draft guide. It is the best out there because he is the czar of the playbook and he's got the t-shirt to prove it. What's up, Emery? What's up, Ross, man? Listen, I, I got to give a shout out to those fans out there that listen to the show because sales have been through the roof. The fact that they are enjoying the draft guide i've seen guys go and get multiple years um and that's the fun part about this thing the cool part about it because that's what it was created for to be just a running log of prospect scouting reports you have a great feel for who's out there in the nfl and and all the other leagues as well so it's been great to get the support from these guys that that watch and listen to the show religiously yeah it's awesome uh big fan big fan of today by the way because we're talking about the quarterbacks and the top quarterbacks for the 2024 NFL draft, always one of our most listened to or watched episodes and perfect timing because here it is Monday, February 26th. Emery's flying to Indianapolis for the combine later today. And we're getting a lot of news coming out Emery about quarterbacks that will or will not be throwing at the combine. And before we dive into your rankings, before we dive into some of your breakdowns of these guys, I just want your thoughts on quarterbacks that do or do not throw at the combine. You know, it 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 just it don't it doesn't bother me from a prospect, you know, evaluation standpoint. It just annoys me because I kind of want to see him throw. Now, if you don't want to go there and run, jump and do the short shuttle drills, I get all that. That's that's not your your role as a quarterback, but throwing 
it'll be cool to see guys get out there and throw with players they're unfamiliar with. We saw a guy, Michael Penix, do that at the Senior Bowl and looked outstanding uh, connecting with guys deep down the field on a lot of these timing routes that shows you that, hey, I can still get it done if I just hop in with guys I, I've never thrown before. So you kind of want to see guys throw. It's competitive. You're out there. Why not get out there and just sling it around a little bit? Well, so you you obviously don't know what you're talking about. If you <laughs> like the quarterback, Emery, right. and he chooses not to throw, well, there's no reason to throw. I mean, why, 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 would, he, why would he throw? He's already ranked high. He's already, I mean, there's, it can only hurt him. If you don't like the quarterback and he chooses not to throw, hmm, what's he hiding? Right. Maybe he's not a competitor. Maybe football's <laughs> not that important to him. Maybe he really doesn't care that much. Well, I mean, like, it, th- does he not want to show what he can do? It is so funny to me annually how it goes. Depending on whether or not you like the quarterback, you can either sing the praises or be critical of them for throwing and or not throwing. And you know it's going to go this way as well, Ross. Every day, all day, all throughout the year, up until February 26th, it is, hey, man, trust the tape, trust the tape. As soon as something noteworthy happens at the combine, all tape is out the window. Trust the combine. It's the best form of football analysis. And where you can break it down what these guys do in shorts, guys moving up the charts, down the charts with no football being played. It's a great American annual tradition. You know, I will say this. I feel like if a guy doesn't quote unquote throw great, there's an explanation because he's throwing at guys he doesn't know. And so, you know, you can understand that. And people aren't going to like, I would think that scouts wouldn't downgrade him for that because it's like, okay, the guy had 75% completion percentage or whatever it was in college. Like that's not an issue. Right. Meanwhile, if you throw with these new guys and you light it up, I feel like that can, that can help you a little, probably not a lot, but help you a little bit. I guess I feel like there's probably more upside than downside. You know, who's going to throw Joe Milton, bazooka, Joe Milton. I feel like Indy should just go ahead on and, and create a separate uh, event for Joe Milton. Like let's go outside. Let's go in the middle of the highway. Let's go downtown Indy and just have Joe Milton throw the ball to wherever you decide for him to throw the ball to. Cause I want to see Joe Milton throw. That's the one thing I want to see happen in Indy is Joe Milton throw the football. I don't care about anybody running the fast 40. I don't care about anybody jumping high. I am only there to see bazooka Joe light it up. <laughs> I love it. So let's get, um, let's get into your rankings here. And your number one quarterback, I think you've been pretty consistent about this for a while now. It is Caleb Williams from USC. I think that seems to be the consensus, although there are some people I've noticed that disagree. What? What? Give me your breakdown of him and, and why you have him ranked number one. Right off the bat, Ross, he has elite field vision. So it's, and this is where the Patrick Mahomes comparison comes from is because every option is open at any given time during the play, because we know he sees the field exceptionally well. So you're never covered as long as you can work yourself open. And as long as he's back there with the football, he can find you. And that's the Patrick Mahomes side of things. He also is a fantastic athlete. He'll take off and go 70 yards on a run. So he gives you both the pocket passing 
and the dual threat capability, and he's done it at an elite level, at a high level, consistently at two separate Power 5 programs, and he's able to throw the football with accuracy deep down the field. He can live in the intermediate area of the field, and he's an A-plus athlete, a guy that, that competes well and wants to win. He's checking a lot of boxes um, for me, and that's why he stayed at number one from the time I started this process to where we are now. So there's a lot there. Um, number one, I've seen people, I think it's a lot of people replying to like our YouTube videos, commenting that he had a bad year, that he didn't play well. And a lot of people seem to be talking about the fact that there was a video of him like crying to his mom or something. I, I took that as a positive that he cared that much about it, that he cared that much. I mean, dude, the guy already won the Heisman. The guy's going to be the number one overall pick, but he's that upset because he wanted to win the Natty. He wanted to win the national championship. Like, to me, that was a positive. Right, and he knew that it, at that point it was over. They had no chance of getting to the postseason, no chance to win a national championship, and he didn't care that he won the Heisman and came back for another year, you know, trying to win a second one. He wanted to go out there and get USC to the national title game. And it didn't happen after that loss. And all of those emotions that he probably was carrying all throughout the season just hit him at that one moment. And people are just, people love to criticize. We have become so negative uh, as a society, thanks in part to social media, where if you like something, everyone jumps in instantly and tell you why you're wrong, why they hate it, why you don't like this, as opposed to that. So, you know, at the end of the day, these are still college kids. And let these guys just show their emotion, man. And I think that was a good thing for him because it does show, like you said, the passion that he has uh, for the game. What would you say the knocks are on a memory? What What are the things that are areas or room for improvement? Well, he does put the ball on the ground. The fumbles are something that really concerns you that, hey, man, you, you can't, you got to be more careful and not reckless with the football in that regard. Interceptions, give or take, whatever. He's, he has that little bit of the... Um, the Jameis Winston in him in a sense that he feels as though he has to make the play in order for the team to move forward and not realizing. And we've seen Jameis get better with this as he's gotten older in terms of it's okay to throw the ball away. And so for Caleb Williams, sometimes he feels as though he has to make the play and that leads him scrambling for 90 seconds, you know, trying to make a play when the best play was to give those guys a break, throw the ball out of bounds. And now you save 90 seconds and those guys energy for the next play is going to be at where it needs to be as opposed to out of breath. Um, so, you know, putting the ball on the turf, protecting the ball and knowing when to, to let a play die is where he has to get better. How does he compare to other prospects we've seen in recent years? You know, we always hear the, the generational or we hear this guy's like a, a, a lights out prospect. Like, um, I know you'd give grades, so you know what they are. And maybe you don't have it in front of them if I'm putting you on the spot. But just, you know, off the top of your head, you know, is he, how does he compare to the guys we've seen the last two, three, four, or five years? Bryce Young and even just C.J. Stroud. He's higher graded than uh, the C.J. Stroud, the Anthony Richardson, the Bryce Young. Because I had those guys at 86. I have Caleb as a 90. And when you're grading at 90, you're putting him in the conversation with my other grades of 90, just recently off the top of my head, uh, the Deshaun Watsons, the Patrick Mahomes, the Trevor Lawrences, um, the Lamar Jacksons. Those guys got 90 grades. Even Dwayne Haskins, I thought was a phenomenal college passer, uh, throwing the ball all over the yard, got a 90 grade. 
Um, and that's where he, he lands with his grade in my opinion. So yes, he is. Um, if he w- was in last year's class, he would have gone number one in my opinion, or he would have been the best quarterback prospect. And you know how much I love these other quarterbacks in that class last year. I thought all three, you couldn't go wrong with any one of the three you chose, but Caleb Williams to me is, uh, you know, one of one and definitely falls in that, 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 you know, I don't give a lot of nineties. And so when you have a 90, that means I think you are destined for a, a superstardom. And I, I feel like that's the case here with Caleb Williams. Let's talk about Jaden Daniels, another guy that's getting a lot of attention and had a fantastic year. Jaden Daniels, listen, um, what he has that the, that is the elite trait is the it factor. It's the what's inside. It's the guy that plays outstanding situational football. His situational awareness is is second to none. I think he's the best in the class in, in that regard. You never feel like you're out of a game with Jaden Daniels out there. And this goes back to when he was at Arizona State. You go back and look at the game they played against Oregon, who was a top-five team with Justin Herbert under center, and he went out there and beat Oregon, uh, obviously in, in, in Tempe. But you fast-forward to last year. You know, even in that first game of the season, his first uh, game with LSU, or you know, they're, they're playing Florida State, and it, they're getting they're killing themselves all throughout the game. And they still had a chance in the end to tie the game to go into overtime and the the kicker missed the extra point or whatnot. So this dude has ice water in his veins. We saw that play out this year for a full season. If Jaden Daniels is not on LSU's team, LSU is probably a six and five team on the season. So with him, they had a chance. They had a chance in every game. They needed him to be Superman in order to have success. So when you're able to elevate your play, regardless of what's going on around you and still lock in, I thought he got better from the pocket this year. I thought he got better uh, from a deep ball accuracy standpoint. He was connecting a lot more in the deep ball this year as opposed to last year. And when you combine all of that with the fact that his his running ability just gives you an out, you're never in a bad play. You have to like him as a as a as a first round talent. I think that's why um, you're seeing a lot more people get on board with Jaden Daniels being a top two pick, top five pick because he's definitely warranted that. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, perfect squad, perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind. You know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, other toppings, and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call. Grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery it's DiGiorno. Wash it down like I do with Labatt Blue Lights. Going to have a bunch of them this weekend. Should be delicious. Living life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly beer. Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Emery, what is the concern with Jaden Daniels? You, you want to see his placement in the short passing game, flat line. feel like he's a little bit hot and cold right there. Now, the deep ball accuracy, we touched on that earlier. That's where he has gotten, uh, you know, a lot of a lot better and has had a lot of success in throwing the ball deeper down the field. But the short area placement has to be consistent. Um, add more touch to the passes. We see that now on the deep ball, but underneath, a lot of times it, it can be a fastball, um, which leads to drops or the placement being slightly off, and that's an area. Um, and listen, he is as slippery and elusive as a runner as Lamar Jackson with the football in his hands. That's an elite special trait that he has. He is so fluid 
uh, running the football. However, at times he does feel like he's Herschel Walker and tries to uh, you know plow through a defender and gets knocked back. He he can't allow that to happen as a pro. Has to be a little bit more judicious in when and where he puts his body in in harm's way. Slide, lift the plate under down. Don't try to run everybody over. Even defensive backs at the NFL will lay the wood. So protecting his body a little bit more is where he can uh, definitely stand to improve moving forward. Interesting. Um, you know, I feel like we've talked about this next guy a couple times in recent weeks because of your experience at the Senior Bowl. And I think most people that are loyal listeners know, and I should mention, by the way, we're going to talk quarterbacks with Greg Cosell on the Ross Tucker football podcast the next couple of weeks. So you guys are going to get two, in my opinion, uh, two expert opinions this week and next about the quarterbacks in this draft, which is awesome. Because I like hearing where you and Greg are similar, where you disagree. That's what makes it fun. Spencer Rattler, you talked a lot about him. You were way ahead of the game, Emery, with the with the Senior Bowl. And then I've seen guys like Lewis Riddick and others really giving him his flowers after that performance. I don't know what else there is to say that you didn't touch on the last couple weeks um, in terms of what you've seen from him. I like that he has had a full career. He has the highs, he has the lows, and he's back on the upswing. So it's shown you that he can get better. It's shown you that he has grown as a prospect and as a person. And it's shown you he has evolved as a play caller, as a player, a playmaker, I'm sorry, in the sense that, you know, hey, he was making some throws early in his career that he wasn't making on the back end of his career in South Carolina. And you like to see the progression. And that's why you like to see a guy have a full career and he just put the cherry on top by going down to Mobile at the recent Senior Bowl and winning the MVP, and which capped off a fantastic week for him throwing the ball. And Spencer Rattler still can make all the throws that you want. He can still wow you with some of the throws he makes. He has gotten a lot better at ball security. He has not taken a lot of sacks that are, that is on him, uh, more so that it's on the offensive line. So he has gotten better, and it's, he can make all of these throws that you want to see the pro quarterback make. So someone will get themselves a star in my opinion, and Spencer Rattler, that can be a starter for you uh, as a rookie because he's played a lot, seen a lot, done a lot. He's probably coming in with a veteran mindset as opposed to most rookies. You know what else is interesting to me, Emery? Um, Your number four guy, I totally forgot about him. Totally forgot. Nobody's talking about him because he got injured. Totally forgot. Like, I'm looking at your top seven guys ranked that people obviously can check out footballgameplan.com slash 2024draftguide. And the top three we've heard, especially because you've been talking about Rattler. And then the next three I've heard a lot of people about totally forgot about Jordan Travis. What well, What is Jordan Travis as a prospect? Man, he is so good, Ross. When, and he is another one that got better over time because Jordan Travis three years ago was like, eh, I don't know about this guy at Florida State. And then last year, you're kind of like, okay, I can see some things getting better with him. And then this year before the injury, what I noticed about him that I love the most about his game is that the chains move like by any means necessary. He's the Malcolm X of quarterbacks. Chains are moving by any means necessary. That ball is coming out quick is going to the receiver. If not, he's pulling down the icons and taking off. He is moving the football and they stay on the field. They move the chains. And so what I saw him do well is versus the blitz. He doesn't get rattled. He can make the the throw, take a shot in the chops, and still deliver the strike from the pocket. 
outside the pocket. I think he does a great job of just being judicious of when and where to take the hit. And also, when we're talking about situational football, inside the red zone, he locks in, and they're able to put the ball in the paint or they come away with points. So I just think he plays the quarterback position uh, like like a plus game manager, right, where you can trust him to manage the game, but when you need him to play above the X's and O's, he does just that. So to me, if it wasn't for the injury, we would have saw him in an all-star game. We would have seen more uh, people talk about him. And I think people act as if his leg got amputated. It didn't. It's, you know, he's going to be fine. And I like that he's going to be there at the combine talking to people, interviewing, because I do feel like Jordan Travis will be wherever he gets drafted. Remember, I'm not big on, you know, my rankings are not geared toward where I think they're going to go. It's about what they do when they get on the field. And wherever he goes and whenever he gets on the field, he will show you the things he showed before getting hurt. Man, I hope he does. Uh, because already it was brutal for him and at Florida State what happened and uh, with that injury. Number five guy is interesting because there's people out there that still believe he's the number one guy or certainly one of the top two or three picks in this draft, and that is Drake May from North Carolina. What do you see from May, Emery? Uh, it, good velocity on his passes and a very good athlete. And I've and I, I seen the, the, the Justin Herbert comps. Um, and it's twofold, but where he differs from Justin Herbert is that Drake may really embraces that he's an athlete and has no problem in taking off and running and running to go and score. So I love that about his game that he's like, listen, I'm not going to sit back here and try to you know make a play with my arm just for the sake of making a play. I'm going to go out there and try to pick up these first downs and pick up these yards. So I like that he's willing to go above and beyond the X's and O's. We've seen him have a tremendous uh, you know, career at North Carolina stepped in right for Sam Howell and played really well in that first game against Florida A&M. Granted, it is Florida A&M and it is a, a Florida A&M team that had a lot of people had to stay home because of uh, you know, ineligible uh, you know, clearinghouse questions. But that game was competitive and it went back and forth. And you saw him get a lead, lose a lead, regain a lead, and have to you know come back. And that was the first game we was like, okay, this guy actually is pretty doggone good. And yes, he can make the throws, um, you know, at the intermediate level of the field. He does a great job with his with his athleticism and throwing on a run. And that's where Drake may I can understand why some people may like him. But for me, on the other side of things, and this is the Herbert thing, on the flip side of that is where you're watching a Drake May game, and you're still at the end. You're like, I, I, I need to see something more. There's something missing. There's something that's just not registering in terms of like, okay, that's it. That's the reason why, right? Same thing with Herbert. You'll watch him play. And you're like, oh, yeah, he's pretty good. You can make these throws. And then, you know, you just kind of like, uh, and it's not as bad on the back end like Herbert uh, during the season where in the fourth quarter when they have the ball and they need to score and he throws the interception. It's not that egregious because uh, I do like me as a prospect more than I like Justin Herbert as a prospect. But for me, taking part to the Clemson game, fantastic first quarter. You just watch this dude. He dropped a, a teardrop to Tez Walker down the sideline. He was just making insane throws. And then went ice cold for a good portion of the game. You're like, yo, what the heck happened? He was making some bad throws after that first quarter. I just need to see him flatline and play great all the way through. And I know quarterback wins are not a stat, but I do need you to play above the X's and O's and not lose to Virginia. You know, not lose those games against teams that you guys should go out there and dominate and play well. Um, and so I just need to see a full game of consistency from Drake May. 
um, in these bigger moments, he has to step up. I feel like that hasn't been the case in North at North Carolina. And again, the good thing for him, he's talented, he's athletic, and he's young, so he still has upside. He still has a chance to get better. You know, that, the only thing that sounds weird to me there, Emery, is like Herbert's like pretty much considered a top 10 NFL quarterback. So if you think May is a better prospect than Herbert, that's kind of wild that he'd be fifth in this draft class if you think he's a better prospect than Herbert, who I think a lot of people would say is a, is a top 10 NFL quarterback. Everybody has their opinion about Herbert, but they never talk about those fourth quarter interceptions, right? He throws a lot. So, yes, he's going to have a lot of passing yards, and that's the first thing they bring up. That's like me bringing up, you know, hey, man, this guy led the league in rush attempts. Cool, he got the ball a lot. That, you know, so for, for Herbert, yeah, he throws a lot. So, yes, he's going to have a lot of passing yards, but when they count, that's when he goes ice cold. That's when you need – how many – again, since he came into the league, he leads the league in fourth quarter interceptions. That's not a good statistic. That's the one they always leave out and they don't mention. Now, they want him to be a top-five quarterback. They will shove him in your face like, yeah, you got Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. They'll, they'll throw it. They want him to be great so bad. But he has to play like that because, again, quarterback wins are not a stat. But every time I look up, the Chargers are losing a lot of these big games in the fourth quarter due to somebody throwing an interception and they've only gone to the postseason once. And this is a very talented team. So I need Herbert to step up. So may to me has a little bit of a, a little bit more go get them than, than Herbert has in my opinion, as a prospect. Now Herbert has gotten, you know, he has played well as a pro, but at the end of the day, like I do feel like may is someone uh, as a prospect is a lot better than Justin Herbert. Looking forward to getting your opinion on Penix and J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, and then some of the vaunted Emory sleepers next week. The keg is kicked. We're all tapped out. Thanks for tuning in to College Draft. Make sure to also check out the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and Fantasy Feast, all on the DraftKings Network, YouTube, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. 